Welcome to I Speak Human, a podcast about navigating the human experience by way of the stars. I'm your host, intuitive astrologer, Akashic record reader, and fellow human, Victoria Greer Stevens. Join me each week as we look to the stars to answer life's big questions. Who are we? Where are we going? And why are we here? This is I Speak Human. Welcome back to I Speak Human. This is a podcast all about navigating the human experience by way of the stars. And I knew you heard that in the intro. And if you're wondering, okay, is that just some fun line that she made up um, or channeled better yet? And she's is she going to help us apply that to our life? And I really think this is what that element series, this element series is about. Because astrology, I think, used in a higher vibration isn't just understanding your chart, understanding the stars, understanding the planets, but embodying the planets, embodying the elements. So when you get into astrology, holy shit, it is complex. There are planets and houses and signs. Oh my, there are aspects and trance and you know, all the things you have aspect configurations. I mean, it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And then on top of that, we don't all agree. And some of us think Placidus is where it's at. Other people think equal house. And I personally am a big fan of the whole sign. And if you have no fucking clue what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the house systems. We astrologers can get into an argument about fucking everything. (laughs) So hopefully most of us aren't our egos are in check enough that we're not actually getting into arguments about house placements or house positions, but I'm sure it happens. Um, The truth is, is I think that there's truth in all of it. And that's such a Sagittarius way of looking at it. So, but I do, I think that there is universal truth in all of the systems, all of the ways of looking at your chart because it's a very deep and complex thing and it's just different vantage points of the same information. So try not to get too caught up in the right way to look at your chart or the right interpretation of your chart because that way really doesn't exist. There may be ways that or times or yeah, descriptions of your chart that resonate more with you specifically at different times in your life. But again, that's just, that's just you resonating with the energy that that person presented to you. And that doesn't make it right. It just means that that's what you're resonating at. And it doesn't make it wrong. And it doesn't mean that that's the only way. And it doesn't mean that you can't accept that and use that as a vital part of your life. But Anyway, getting back to today's episode and what we're talking about today, this is the third installment of my element series. And so in the element series, I'm going into in depth in the most basic foundational concept in astrology, or I personally feel that way. And that's the elements. Everything else in astrology is built on this. So even if you're like, no, I've been practicing astrology for a while, I highly suggest diving into the basics as often as you possibly can, because you're going to get a new level of depth to them that you didn't get before. 
In the first episode of this series, we talked about fire. And I started with fire because fire has an initiating quality. It is the first that kicks off the Godi, the, the Godiac, the Zodiac. Um, and there's an intensity with fire that I just, I feel like you can't really, you can't really pick another element to start with. And then I, so if I, I can't remember if I already said this, but these, episodes build in the series specifically. So if you haven't listened to the fire episode and the water episode, go back, have a listen to those. Fire is episode 24 and water is episode 25. Have a listen to those and then come back, join us here as we really go deep in the element of air. So what is air? Air is mental activity. So remember, we're talking about energies here. So what is the energy of air? Well, the energy of air rules our mental activity. It rules our communication, our social interactions. It rules communication of any kind. So that also is social media. It's the internet. The internet is what is it if not communicating information constantly? We are constantly communicating our thoughts, our beliefs, arguing, learning, exploring. It is an air, like if you were to give the internet an element, it's air. Um, Air is also, it's anxiety. It's the mental chatter in your mind. It's how you speak. It's how you communicate. It's also how you write because that's a form of communication. Um, It is how you communicate what you're feeling, seeing, understanding, conceptualizing. And de- and so if you don't have a lot of air in your chart, these activities may be a little bit more difficult for you, or you don't really get like turned on and stimulated by reading a good book. And like, I'm somebody that I have a lot of air in my chart. I love, 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 love learning information. And not everybody is like that. Like, The idea to me of just checking off to-do list all day long or accomplishing things, I really, really like that. Honestly, I kind of like all the elements. I feel like I have all of them. But for some people, the idea of talking or doing a podcast or making communication such a big part of their life, that would sound really difficult. Let's say you have a lot of water and a lot of earth in your chart. You might be really nurturing, compassionate. You may be the one that brings over, you know, the baked goods or when your friend's sick, brings a bowl of soup. Um, It's very here and present and now. So watery, earthy people, they're very, you're like, oh my God, you are so here with me right now. Whereas I think fire and air struggles a little bit more to be in the present. Air is like everywhere. It can be in the past. It can be in the future. Um, It can be present, it can be aware of right now, but it can be in other dimensions. Like air is so vast and so complex that being present and being here in the now isn't something that, you know, a lot of that air really enjoys doing necessarily, unless the present and now is about learning new information about a person or a subject matter or communicating. Air just wants the constant flow of communication, whether that's between themselves. So that's that, you know, internal dialogue, whether it's with another person, whether it's with a book, whether it's with ideas, whether it's with society, air just wants that flow going on. 
Whereas fire wants action. It wants purpose. It wants creativity. It wants self-expression. It wants winning. It wants leadership. It wants sex. It wants passion. It wants to feel alive. Like fire is like, yeah. So sometimes, you know, fire people have a little have a hard time sitting still because it's always, you know, what else could they be doing? Where else could they be going? But when a fire person really learns how to balance their fire, they bring all of that passion and all of that energy into the present moment. So, but air is, air is, I'm getting a little off here, but I'm just really enjoying talking about the elements. But air is, we participate with air all day, every day. We now live in an Aquarian age. It is impossible for you, well, I shouldn't say impossible. It is very difficult to now be a productive, active member of society and not participate with the element of air. I'm sure you could do it. I'm sure you could be totally off the grid, no cell phone, no internet. You know, you can do it, but it's a lot harder, (laughs) my guess, is to have community and have connection that way because unless you find a group of people that's also doing that, that's still the element of air <laughs> because that's you connecting with other people. So, I mean, yeah, you you could live a completely reclusive life, but then you're not an active member of society. So then there arrest my case. You can't be an active member of society and not participate with the element of air. So I think it's so important for us to not only understand this element, learn how to balance it as we enter into an age that's so air heavy, Aquarian is fixed air, so airy that it's really difficult to stay present. So I talked about, you know, fire and water a little bit in that contrast. And you can contrast any all the elements for different reasons. Um, so, And I'm also going to contrast today earth and air. I'll also contrast air and fire because air and fire opposite on the zodiacal wheel. You'll always notice that an air sign, if you look in your chart, you'll be, if you say, let's say you're a Libra rising. If you look directly across, you're going to see a fire sign, which is Aries. And let's say you're a Gemini rising. If you look directly across, you're going to see Sagittarius, which is a fire sign. So And then if you're Aquarius uh, rising, you would look straight across and see Leo Um, and vice versa. So if you're a Leo rising, your opposite's Aquarius. You know, if you're a, let's see, Aries rising, opposing Libra, and then finally Sag rising, opposing Gemini. But when we're living in a super airy age, one of the best things that we can do is learning to ground all of that air energy and bring it into the earth. So understanding air's relationship with earth is so amazing too. And then you can also look at the relationship between air and water. If you're somebody that has a lot of air and water, you might be very emotional and sensitive and perceptive of the world around you. You might be a little shy but it's likely because you're feeling and taking in the emotions of everyone around you. You might struggle asserting yourself. You might not have like a passion for life, but more like of a love and appreciation for life. You might have a hard time like getting things done and have a hard time with like the practical world if you don't have any earth. So this is, this isn't to like box people in. It's just to kind of understand um, how these elements play with each other. So let's go ahead and really get into the element of air. So air is considered, it's an active or a yang element. It is, 
It has, again, the cardinal fixed and mutable. So if you don't know what those words mean, that's why you need to go back, listen to episode 24. I hate to be that guy, but I'm going to be that guy. Go listen to episode 24, about fire, 25, because I'll go, I define these words more. But essentially, each of the elements all have three different types of signs. So they have a cardinal, which is the initiator of that particular element. So in the case of air, the initiator element is Libra and it kicks off fall in the Northern hemisphere and spring in the Southern hemisphere. And then you have a fixed uh, sign in every element. So for air, that's Aquarius. And then you have a mutable sign for every element. And for air, that is Gemini. So we're going to start really talking about Libra today. We're going to start, we're going to go cardinal, fixed, mutable, because I want you to understand kind of the progression of the, of the elements. And then I also, so we're going to talk about that. And then I'm going to talk to you about Libra's relationship with its opposite, which is Aries. And we're going to talk about the different ruling properties of Libra. And then we're going to talk about some famous Libras and then some of my favorite Libra kid stories. Libra is all about beauty. It's about aesthetic. It's about balance. The symbol for Libra is the scales. So Libra also rules law because it rules the balance. It's the balance of perspective. So every air sign wants, has something that it's wanting to learn. It's wanting something that it's wanting to take in. So for Libra, their focus is very social. So a stereotype for Libra is that they're a big flirt. Um, that they always want to be in a relationship and that they're a really great friend. And partly that's because Libra is always thinking about the other. Um, Libra also is really good in social situations and reads social cues really well. It's a great judge of character and is good at seeing both sides to a so- story. So Sometimes people get a little shocked when their really sweet, nice Libra friend all of a sudden gets a kind of really strong opinion and opposes them. And the Libra may or may not even agree with what they're arguing. They just want the other point of view presented because Libras strive for balance. So every sign has this kind of driving force behind them. Libra is striving to bring balance and harmony. So I have a Libra moon, my partner has a Libra moon, and I've said this before that we don't argue very much. We do argue, but overall, if we're in our like good mental state, we don't argue. Like we're not, you know, like some couples like to like pick at each other. We're not that couple. And if we are that couple, it's probably because we're something's going on inside of us that we're not processing. And so we're projecting it on the other. But I would say like on a good day, like when we're balanced. So right now, you know, I feel like I'm really taking ownership for my mental and emotional health and not projecting that onto him. I feel like he's doing that too. And I feel like there's been this unspoken agreement of like, okay, we're going to do this now. I think the energy shift has really helped. But um, for me personally, I'm just going to speak on my behalf. I taking ownership of my own physical, mental, I've really just been taking ownership of my own energy. 
Um, and I just noticed, I'm like, I'm never irritated at him. <laughs> I'm like, are you just perfect all the time? That's kind of how I feel. But most of the time, like I'm, we're constantly striving for that harmony because we both are Libra moons. So we will, you know, figure out whatever we can do to make the other person comfortable. And I think that that works great as long as both people are doing that, but we're first taking care of ourselves and that, you know, the balance for us isn't just because Libras tend to overgive. So in relationships, both him and I tend to overgive. And so really, I think for us in our relationship now, we're learning about how that balance of giving back to ourselves. And I think that's what a Libra is here to do. It's here to understand that balance, balance between in partnership, balance in even lifestyle, balance in, you know, how social you are and how, you know, balance in views. So balance in aesthetics, like Libra is such an aesthetically oriented sign. Like it's, I mean, Venus is beauty and it's design and it's especially Venus and, you know, a Venus and Libra, it wants beautiful aesthetics and beautiful communication. You, Oh my gosh, if you go to a Libra's home, their homes are generally beautiful and there's so much thought behind it. There's generally a lot of light, um, but there's an element of beauty and femininity. There's a lot. I'm thinking of my friend right now. She's, um, I think she's a listener at this podcast. She's a Libra sun and a Virgo moon and she just has flowers all around her house and all her outside and her garden. And it's just beautiful. And she's made so much beauty with the nature, which is that's the blend of those energies of the Virgo and the Libra. Um, And so, yeah, so Libras, they, but they want diplomacy in relationship. They also want, so like when a Libra feels out of balance um, within themselves, they can get, really argumentative. <laughs> they can get really thrown off because there are overgiving in relationships and then they can go to their more shadow side. Um, one of the shadow sides of Libra though is that this is kind of a funny one is Libras have a really hard time making up their minds. So, and it's because we can see all sides and we're like, well, you know, we could save money or we could indulge and get this food. Oh, Mexican would be good. But I do see what you're saying about that. Maybe Chinese would be better. And it gets really difficult for us to decide even basic things. And oh gosh, it's even worse if you're in a group because then you're considering what everybody else is feeling and thinking and wanting and desiring. So it, it can be rough on Libras. Um, but Libras are... They, a lot of times, Libras are really good with words. I've all, really, all of the air signs are good with words because it rules communication. But Libras, it's, I think there's a poetry to it. Um, some famous Libras, I can go through a few of those. Um, these are a few of my, Cardi B, Oscar Wilde, Franz Liszt, um, Arthur Miller, Eminem, there's so many. I'm just going to go through and read the whole list. Um, Kim Kardashian, Will Smith, Oscar Wilde, Eminem, Franz Liszt, Liszt, <laughs> to tell my classical music training is <laughs> wearing off, Arthur Miller, Zac Efron, Ray Charles, Gandhi, Francis of Assisi, John Lennon, Snoop Dogg, Cardi B, Kate Winslet, Gwyneth Paltrow, 
and Julie Andrews. And all uh, several, not all, but several of the people on that list are known for their writing. So a lot of the, so a lot of the people on that list, they are writers. And if you think, I love Eminem, he's such a great example because Eminem, I think a lot of people would be like, wait, he does not like balance and harmony, but he has his Mercury and Scorpio. So it gives him, he does see what needs to be balanced in society though. And he says the thing that no one wants to say. So if you think about kind of like a Libra with that Scorpio edge that like sees beneath the surface, but but also wants to balance it out like he does that and he has such a poetic way of expressing his ideas um Snoop Dogg Cardi B same kind of thing like I would say all they're very 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 good with words obviously and all three have a very specific way of expressing their aesthetic and their style so you can see like it's like all, not all Libras are like oh yes sunshine light and just like outside with the you know the sunflowers yes that's totally in there but there's it's more just about the appreciation of beauty also a lot of times Libras are very beautiful I mean Zac Efron please I mean beautiful man and then you have somebody like John Lennon who just writes so beautifully um and then you have you have some pretty you know classic uh, Kim Kardashian Bridget Bardot Kate Winslet Gwyneth Paltrow Julie Andrews really beautiful you know leading women and or different I, I guess they're not all actresses but just all women that I definitely would consider like beautiful women and and there's like a grace to them. Like, do you think of Julie Andrews? There's just this like, there's just this graceful balance to her. And same with Kate Winslet and Gwyneth Paltrow. Like, I just feel like there's just this ease and flow to their movements that that feel really effortless. Uh, also, Gandhi. I love that example because you see Gandhi among so many things was a lawyer. So you see that even coming in of like, he's able to see and the balance of all sides. It's ruled by Venus. Um, so it's opposite in the zodiacal wheel is Aries. So Libra is very focused, other focused. And then if you remember Aries, Aries is like, I'm number one. <laughs> like I'm number one. It's about me. I'm the leader. Libra is like, yep, it is about you. And I'm going to support you. And I'm going to balance out the situation. Aries is like, I'm going to say exactly what I think. And Libra is like, I'm going to be very thoughtful and diplomatic with my words and say what needs to be said. They're careful with their speech, I would say. Maybe not all, and and or intentional with their speech. I think Libras understand social dynamics, sometimes to their demise, because they can turn into people pleasers. And they're so focused on the other, and they're so focused on playing that support role that they forget that they exist. And that's where they really need, you know, Libra energy needs to lean into that Aries energy of like, what do I want? What do I, you know, and as a Libra moon, I can definitely, I have a tendency of like, I oh, and Libras always want to be partnered because there's that, if you don't have a anybody, and if you don't have a partner, then what's there to balance? So I always say that Caleb is my mirror, like he is my perfect mirror, whatever is going on with him, 
is likely something that is internally, maybe it's not the same thing, but it's the same energy. It may be playing out differently. So even when I'm like projecting on him, and finally I've learned this after almost two years of being in a relationship that, okay, when I am projecting all of these things that I think he needs to do or he needs to fix, they're actually things that are going on within me that I'm not addressing. So that's a very that's a healthy way to look at that, like, you are my mirror. And sometimes we, I think Libras or people with a lot of energy forget that they aren't the other, that, you know, they, they can have autonomy, they can stand alone. So I think anybody with a a lot of Libra placements, it's important to get by yourself. It's important to find your own, what do you want? Like, just have a day where you're like, what do I want? What do I want? What do I want? What do I want? Like, And not necessarily like that doesn't mean that you just say fuck it to everybody. I'm going to do what I want. And because that that's what happens when a Libra energy tells themselves no too much, then they go to the shadow side of Aries. But just like, you know, what do like, okay, I'm gonna, let's say like you haven't me and my partner, for instance, like we're going to spend a couple nights apart next week, because I'm going to house it, he's going to stay here and do some work. And During that time, I'm going to really focus on like asking myself like, okay, what do you want to watch tonight? Don't just watch what you normally watch. What do you want to watch tonight? What do you want to eat tonight? What do you want to do tonight? Who do you want to talk to? Do you want to talk to anybody? Like giving myself that space to have an ego because I think sometimes Libra's Libra energy forgets that it does have an ego and it does have desires and it does want things and it's not just there to balance out the other. And then we know that Venus rules Libra. So we talked about last week a little bit about um, when there's a planet and it has kind of like two kids. So Venus, Venus's kids are Libra and Taurus. So you can also look at the sign of Taurus and kind of see some of those Venusian qualities. We haven't gotten to Taurus yet. That'll be next episode or I might have a forecast episode in then, but it'll be the next one in the series. So if we look at Taurus, about beauty, luxury, money, Venusian qualities and things. And then, of course, we also see that in Libra in a different way. So that's felt like I, you know, gave Libra a pretty good shakedown. Okay, I just took a little bathroom break and I just saw that Casey Musgraves released a fucking tarot deck and it is fantastic. I want it so damn bad. I might get it, but I'll link it in the bio so you can check it out. Actually, she has a lot of cool shit on her site. Um, Obviously, Casey Musgraves is not sponsoring this episode. I mean, girl, if you want to hit me up on Instagram, but she's not sponsoring this. However, it's cool. It's a cool deck. It's like a rainbow 70s tarot deck. It's cool as shit. Okay. So back to the air element, that's Libra, it's initiating. So if you have a Libra energy, you might notice that you like initiate conversations or initiate friendships, or you're the one that like initiates hangouts. Um, That's an initiating energy. Uh, Maybe start books and don't finish them. (laughs) That's a very Libra thing. Because Libras do like learning things, but they want to learn about the social things, things of beauty, things of balance. Um, law because it it wants to understand like philosophical ideas as far as like balance go but not in the like love of law and that's a little bit more sag um anyway 
So that's Libra. So it gave them a pretty good shakedown. Now let's go to Aquarius, the fixed sign. So Aquarians, if if Libra stereotype is, you know, a flirt and a social butterfly and like needs to always be talking and needs to always have like a buddy with them, um, then a stereotype for Aquarius is the like loner weirdo. Um, and that's because Aquarius is progressive. It's beyond it's society, but it's what's best for society as a whole. So the element of air fixed, it's it's fixed thinking. So though Aquarians, I find them to be very open-minded, they're very fixed in their ideals and their views. Um, if you think like Oprah is a, is I believe Oprah is an Aquarius. Yes, Oprah is an Aquarius. Ellen DeGeneres is, oh, I'm looking at Gemini's. I was like, why? I was like, I didn't remember any of these people being an Aquarius. Um, Oprah is an Aquarius. Harry Styles, um, Bob Marley, Ellen DeGeneres, Abraham Lincoln, Galileo, Darwin, Edison, Rosa Parks. I, the, I like those last few examples because this is a, this is an example of forward thinking. So like Galileo was put in jail because of his ideas, because they were so radical for their time. And so Aquarius, like if we're going to, you know, the, the brother sister analogy, daddy is Saturn. Saturn is definitely daddy. So I know I'm like, oh yeah, Mars and his kids, Scorpio and Aries, but like Saturn is daddy. So daddy (laughs) with his kids, um, Aquarius and Capricorn. So we haven't gotten a Capricorn yet, but Capricorn is like top grades, do the best in school, Ivy League education, traditional values, um, religion, church, government, God bless America, (laughs) business. um, There's, I mean, there's, I love, I mean, I have five planets in Capricorn, so I'm a Capricorn. So I don't mean to paint them grim, but that's what Capricorn rules, which is, I mean, and I have a lot of those tendencies and that's not bad. It's just, it can, I think Capricorn, capitalism and Capricorn has been ruling our society for so long and we're transitioning into Aquarius ruling our society with this Aquarian age but that Capricorn energy is like deep in us so Saturn's those are their kid his kids he's got Capricorn who's like top of the class like Harvard bound um you know good kid probably i mean capricorns are like play work hard play hard so and also they're like business in the front party in the back so capricorns definitely like will let loose so i'm not necessarily saying like capricorns are not the goody two shoes but they're probably going to present really well so like if you think like blair waldorf in gossip girl very capricorn like not necessarily like the good girl but she's she presents herself to be the best and to be on top and she's willing to put in the work. I know we're not on earth signs, but I, you, I kind of need to talk about that so that you understand that that's, you know, who Aquarius is living with. And that's pretty hard a for someone to live up to Aquarius comes after Capricorn in the zodiacal comes right after it actually a that's pretty fucking hard to live up to and B it's been done. And it's outdated and it has flaws. And 
The issue with tradition is that sometimes we get so caught up in the tradition and the values that we miss the pain that it's caused. So for instance, tradition is having certain monuments up and flying certain flags. And I'm not trying to get into a political debate here, but that's there's tradition tied to that. And that's some people's argument for keeping around symbols of hate and symbols of racism is it's tradition. And we live in a society that has valued tradition over progress. So that's Aquarius. Aquarius is progress and it's forward and it's breaking the mold. And Aquarian energy, if you think like Oprah, Harry Styles, Ellen DeGeneres, Abraham Lincoln, again, Galileo, Darwin, Edison, they're thinking beyond their time. They're looking at society and seeing where we need to go. So Aquarius, so that's why Aquarians can feel maybe like a little weird sometimes. It's because they're ahead of us. They're ahead of like I have my Venus in Aquarius and I've always like I'm actually not a very trendy person. It's my Capricorn energy. I'm like, well, let's see if this trend is gonna really last. But I do have my Venus and my North Node in Aquarius. I'm getting more like this as I get older. I always kind of like know the trend that's gonna happen, whether if I choose to do it or not, but I feel like I see it first. And I'm like aware, like that's a trend that's gonna happen. And then I see it. And I feel like I'm always like either in, you know, cities or towns that like their fashion is just like a little bit ahead of where it is like I'm like in Nashville and I'm like oh Nashville's very behind fashion wise <laughs> like and then I go to LA and I'm like okay so I I see what this I see what they're doing I see where they're going um but I still just dress however I want so I'm not necessarily like very fashion forward but I see where fashion is headed if that makes sense um and that's how Aquarians are. Like they're very like they see where things are going and they pave the way for that. So sometimes, yeah, the way they dress is a bit eccentric. The way they talk is eccentric. The way they think is eccentric. So I do have some pretty prominent Aquarian placements in my chart. I have a prominent Libra placement too, but I have a, my North Node in Aquarius and my Venus, which is a, opposing my ascent. So Aquarian energy for me is infused in my chart and it's I'm just going to become more and more like this Aquarians are very concerned with like the way society is conceptualized and like society as a whole like they feel almost a responsibility to reshape thought because they see the world so differently and depending on your Aquarian placements you like let's say you're an Aquarian son you might just be super comfortable with like you know what I see things differently. I know I do. Or if you have an Aquarius moon um, and you're really comfortable with that progressed thinking, even if that does make you an outsider, even if that does make you a loner, because you understand your place is to help pull society forward. Um, whereas like for me, my Aquarius, I it's something I'm growing into as I age. So I'm becoming more and more Aquarian. That's what that North Node means. So if you want to know, you know, what energy you're heading into, look where your north node is. That's that upside down horseshoe in your birth chart. Go look at that. And but that's the energy I'm moving towards. So and then on top of that, I also have Venus in Aquarius, which rules my moon. So in a night chart. So that's that gives my, my and it's right on the descendant. So that gives my 
Aquarian energy a, a pretty good amount of punch. Um, but then it's very, my Aquarian energy is very balanced out with like, okay, I see where we should be going. But I also see with what society's ready for because my Capricorn energy is like, I am aware of what social, and then my Libra moon, I'm very aware of what's socially acceptable and where we're going. And I've been kind of stuck in that a lot of my life of that Libra Capricorn of like, this is what has always been. And this is what's always, you know, this is what society or even the group I'm in, like, if I'm in a group of people that I'm like, well, they all think like this, like, they're not going to just switch overnight. And, and, and I see that. And so sometimes that holds me from like saying what I think. So even like with astrology, and like, I see that astrology is going to become more and more popular over the years. And I see that more and more people are going to see its value. And I feel like I am meant to play a role at helping that value get spread and seen by the world but that's it's I'm a little uncomfortable with it because it's not super popular right this second it is popular and it's getting more and more popular but every time I say that I'm an astrologer I like see people's judgment like there's so much judgment associated with astrology and a lot of this is my own shadow and my own shit and I'm you know I'm doing the work right now to clear that I'm doing Lacey Phillips to be magnetic. That's just pretty much my go-to reprogramming neuro manifestation work. I'll link her work in the bio. Um, I talk about her, or sorry, in the show notes. I talk about her constantly. Um, but but it's, yeah, it's a very progressive thought that, okay, well, we're all going to live by the stars and we're all, and which is, Aqu- I mean, Aquarius is also space. It's fixed air. That's space. So in this Aquarian age, we're becoming more and more fascinated by space. Um, but there's also, so in all the people also I named the famous Aquarians, there's a revolutionary energy to them. And I, I love Harry Styles because we're actually watching him really blossom into his Aquarian energy right now. If there is a sign associated with androgyny, it is definitely Aquarius. So, and I see that because I have Aquarius and my, my Venus is in Aquarius. So I've always been attracted to pretty androgynous partners. Like that's a that's a theme. Like, I'm not saying I've never dated or been attracted to somebody that was a bit more masculine, but there's generally some androgyny. And so you look at Harry Styles and he's he's an Aquarius and he's just embodying that androgyny of like, why do men, why can't men wear dresses? And why can't I dress like this and be like this? And why do I have to define, you know, what I am sexually speaking? Why do I have to be gay or straight or bi or whatever? And that's a very Aquarian way of seeing that he's seeing things in a more progressive way. But it's not just necessarily like progressive, you know, in outlandish, it can also be progressive, like looking at Galileo, like it can be progressive in thought or like look at Oprah, you know, just seeing the connectedness of everything. I think that's a very Aquarian thing. Like they see themselves in the other. That's, there's a, uh, I was listening to a podcast today in preparation for this episode. And they were talking about that Aquarius there, since it's society, they are always concerned with like the one out there. Like they always want to meet the other. So, so uh, and there is a quote that I, gonna butcher but something to the effect of that an Aquarius who wanted to 
have one conversation or speak to at least one sentence to every person on the planet. And that's such an Aquarian idea of like wanting to connect to all of society, which is why they're also such good rulers and such good leaders, because they really do care about what's best for society, what's best for the whole. And they're not afraid to step forward. They're not afraid to be the leader, but it's not. And if you look at um, the opposite of Aquarius, it's Leo. So Aquarius is all about society and the whole. Leo's all about me, my self-expression, you know, where I want to express myself, I, where I'm going to be the star, I'm going to be the performer. Aquarius is like, nah, I want the show to be amazing, not just me. And sometimes Aquarius, you know, struggles because it's in, if we've talked about fall, we've talked about exaltation and detriment. So when a planet or, and domicile, and I think we have, um, so when a planet is in its domicile, that means that's the sign it rules. So the sun rules the sign of Leo. And so, but then when a planet is in the opposite sign, it's said to be in its detriment, which is Aquarius. So when you have your sun in Aquarius, that means that that doesn't mean you're bad. What that means is that the sun isn't able to do the sunny things that it likes to do. So the sun wants to be seen and it wants to make it all about me. And an Aquarius is like, no, I'm part of the whole, man. I don't want it to be all about me, which is beautiful. Like it's so, so beautiful, but you're not, you know, even though there are famous Aquarians, the impact that they made on society is what makes them famous, like their ideas and their forward thinking, not their performances per se. And, you know, there's some people in here, like, for instance, Michael Jordan, I really like that. And he has a lot of Aries in his chart, obviously, amazing athlete. Um, but he, he changed the way that we conceptualize sports. He became this like leader and this hero and he understood and, you know, he didn't really get, you know, and he really didn't get off on it. Like if you watch, oh my gosh, I don't care if you like basketball or not. The documentary, The Last Dance on Netflix, the story of the Bulls, like their last, or it's really the whole history of the Bulls. And might you watch Michael Jackson's career, or sorry, Michael Jordan's career. I always do that. Um, Michael Jordan's career. It's fascinating to see how humble he really stayed I mean, yeah, sure, he had his moments, but overall, you're like, I mean, he knew he was a great basketball player. I'm not talking about that. Like, he was an athlete, and he wanted to win. But I'm talking about as like far as like just being obsessed with the fame or being recognized. That's not what he was about. And he under, but he understood as an Aquarius, he understood the role that he played in society, the role that he played for you know, his community, for his race, for the sport, for really just how we gather around sport and how that is such a ritual in this country. He understood 
all of these elements of it, which was what made him a phenomenal basketball player. Like people gathered around him to watch him, but it was, it was about him performing, but it was also about how he made you feel. And there, and you know, a Leo might really bask in that, you know, it's about me. And that's great because that's what a Leo's supposed to do. So I, I love <laughs> Jennifer uh, Lopez is my favorite Leo. <laughs> because of this shit because if you guys watch the inauguration that bitch like added her own words from her own song to I think America the Beautiful she literally threw in there let's get loud and she got away with it and not only did she get away with it it's fucking awesome and you just felt so like hell yeah when she did that mic drop like and you felt that like regalness and that and in some ways pride for sure but that's what a leo's supposed to do so it's it's that's what a lion is supposed to do right whereas you know an aquarius is like ellen degeneres she wants to make you laugh she wants to influence society in a positive way and she sees that laughter is a really great way to do that. Oprah, the, these are like thought leaders. These aren't just, you know, celebrities. These are, I mean, Abraham Lincoln. I mean, these are revolutionary thought leaders that were so ahead of their time. And we look back in history and see people like Abraham Lincoln and Galileo and Darwin and just how like blatantly right they were but hindsight's 2020 and you know right now the people we're looking at that you know we don't necessarily think have a ton of wisdom you know because they're our peers or maybe we do know that they have a ton of wisdom but we're like yeah 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 okay like sure you know Oprah thinks meditation super important but like we don't understand how important all this shit is like we don't understand how important our spiritual and when i say we i mean like our entire society we rely more on science than anything and science hasn't caught up with the energy work and the medicine and the wisdom of eastern cultures and eastern traditions traditions it just hasn't so I'm, I think we're going to get there. I think that's a big part of what this Aquarian age is about. But like, we don't even understand how impactful our thought leaders of our time are. So that's Aquarian energy. And Saturn, I think a lot of people get a little confused with that because they're like, most of the time Saturn's associated with being like the boner killer of the Zodiac. Um, and I think a lot of people like, you know, get a little confused as to why the fuck does Saturn rule Aquarius? Like, how did that parent have that kid? But there's still, there's a restrictive quality to um, Aquarius that is that Saturn. It's that contraction. It's the it's the less of me so it can be more of you. There's that, there's, there's, and also, the le- you don't need as much as you think. That's a very Aquarius. There's a bit of detachment with Aquarius. Like, Aquarians understand that they don't really own anything. And they're okay a little bit more with, yeah, like that. And even down to, like, their own bodies. And they're, 
in you know Leo being the sun there's a lot of attachment to you know the eye and the personality whereas Aquarius there's there's less of that attachment there so and I think that's where you know Saturn comes in but it's Saturn wants society to function well so Saturn wants a society to function well in the terms of Capricorn, where it's productive, but it also wants it to progress and move forward. Saturn just wants it done, wants what needs to, it doesn't want to correct everything though. So if like if you listen to like Aquarians, they're not like the world's going to shit, it's we're all fucked. They like see a few key things that we could do to progress forward and a few key places in our thinking that's flawed. Now, if you really get them talking, they'll tell you about a thousand of places, but they understand, like they see like what society can handle and, you know, the places we need to pivot and correct. So that's Aquarian. Um, And then finally, the final of the air elements is Gemini. And Gemini is a mutable sign. It's ruled by Mercury. And it's, it's the airiest of the air. What can I say? Gemini is, it's Mercury, it's chatter, it's talking, it's mental energy, it's technology. Oh, also, I want to throw out there, Aquarius rules the internet. Um, so, and I would say, but Gemini more, rule more, I think, rule social media. I think that Gemini rules that back and forth communication, you know, your selfies, your Gemini is also small talk. It's funny, I started talking so much faster when I started talking about Gemini. Um, Gemini, it's really quick. So it changes and it wants variety. And it also wants to pick things apart. So I think Gemini stereotype is that, oh, they're just talk all the time. That's one, like, I would say, like that's one manifestation of a Gemini is that they just like talk and talk and talk and talk. So my partner is a Gemini and he, you know, is definitely not like super, super chatty, except he is. So he's not going to be like, if you listen to both of us talk, you'd probably be like, she's the Gemini. She doesn't ever shut up. But if you go like Gemini's are really good at small talk, like if a repair guy comes over, Caleb's going to be talking his ear off and just the best small talker. I'm like, how do you where do you come up with this shit? And I mean, but he's just really, really good at it. And but also, he takes things apart, like mentally, he takes things apart. Physically, he takes things apart. He likes to break down ideas and concepts. And he's, you know, he's a mix engineer. So he's, he's breaking down the smallest parts of sound and, you know, arranging them and changing them. And a lot of times Gemini's have a really hard time with making decisions and settling on things because they want to see every single combination of every single way. Um, so, and Gemini's can also get so caught up in the details and so caught up in the mental chatter that they forget the meaning. And that's where they need to look to their opposite, which is Sagittarius. And I have a pretty good dose of Sag in my chart. So we, we balance each other out because I'm always there bringing the meaning. So I'm like, okay, but what does this mean? Because, you know, you can have all the information in the world, but if there's not meaning to it, what's the point? Um, and so it's not just about experiencing, it's about why you're experiencing. And it's not just about your purpose, but it's about like, why are you here? And why is your purpose important? And it's not just about, 
you know, the details, but it's about the book. It's not just about, you know, your day to day. It's about the broad picture of how we're all connected to each other. And so you see, you can see that Jupiter rules Sagittarius and its expansion, and then Mercury rules Gemini, which is small and micro and wants to take everything apart. So Gemini, uh, it's the twins. That's the ruling symbol. And a lot of times Gemini is their stereotype. Yes, they're chatty. Um, also is that they're two-faced. And it's because Gemini's can change, can very much change how they're speaking, how they're communicating to who they're talking to. They're really good at that, that mutability, that change ability. So if you guys have ever seen Lost, the character Kate is, it's, they say it, like it's, talked about that she's a Gemini and she's constantly like changing identities and changing who she is and changing how she presents herself. And so sometimes Geminis can struggle with intimacy because of that, because they are constantly changing that they forget like, who am I really? So that, you know, that change and that jumping all over the place and then depending on where their Mercury is. So it's always important when you're looking at a sign to look at the ruler the planet, the planetary ruler of that sign and where that sign is. So for instance, let's say like Gemini, let's say you have your Gemini in, or I mean, you have your sun in Gemini. Let's look where your Mercury is. So in the case of my partner, his Mercury is in his 12th house and it's in Cancer. So that's a very different Gemini than if he had his Mercury in his first house in Leo. If he had his Mercury in first house in Leo, he would probably be very talkative he would likely be very like grandiose in his talk, maybe lie a little bit or exaggerate or definitely be a very dramatic speaker. Um, he would always be saying what he thinks. He would, yeah, it would be a lot more obvious, whereas his is in his 12th house in Cancer. So it's very hidden. So a lot of his chatter, a lot of his Gemini-ness is going on inside internally. And he's constantly taking apart and taking, you know, a like his subconscious, which is the 12th house. So, and so let's see versus let's go back and do a different one. So like Aquarius. So if you have your son in Aquarius, and then you have your Saturn in, let's say Pisces, you're going to feel much more like you need to save the whole world and maybe a little bit too involved with the emotions of the society that you're serving versus if it was in, let's say, um, let's do Libra where it's exalted. Um, you might notice that you're just like you have a you have a very diplomatic way of ruling or of and maybe you present yourself in a very beautiful way because Libra rules beauty in a balanced way. Um, oh, and then if you're a Libra sun, and then you want to look where your Venus is. So a Libra with their Venus in Scorpio is going to be very different than a Libra with their Venus in Virgo. So if a Libra, if you're a Libra sun and you have your Venus in Scorpio, you might have like a little bit of darker taste in things. You might not really vibe so much with like the Venus trend, or I mean, I'm sorry, the Libra stereotype of like pink and bubble gum and like call me maybe. Um, I have to tell you when I go into my kids, my, <laughs> I'll just go into that right now. My Libra students. Oh my gosh. I have one in particular, actually I'm teaching her today 
And she can come up, every song she sings is like bubblegum pop. It's like about wanting a boyfriend. She wears pink and purple and unicorns and very feminine, very comfortable with being playful and flirty. And like, she's sassy. And she's always telling me like funny stories. She's also really funny. Like Libras are really funny. Um, And they, yeah, she, you can just tell she's like very, she's like very aware of her hair and so that's a very typical, I don't know where her Venus is. I could look it up because I do have her birthday, but that's a, you know, that would be like Libra with your Venus and Venus. I mean, with your Venus and Libra. So Libra sun with your Venus in Libra, you might be a little bit more like that versus if you're, you know, that Venus is in Scorpio, you might um, wear a little bit more darker clothes. You might be a little bit more badass in your dress. You might like some leather. You might, you know, still maybe do like leather and lace, but like combat boots and like a tool skirt. That would be, you know, maybe a little bit more Libra with your Venus and Scorpio versus if you're a Libra with your Venus in Virgo, you might be very earthy with your style. You might be like really balanced and beautiful, but then very articulate and very articulate and detail oriented and wants things like minimal and wants the healthiest of things. So you might be like, what's about like, that's maybe your style is less to do with like being beautiful. And it's more about being like healthy and balanced. Um, so, so you can see the, the Libra combination or the, the different planets are going to change based on where they're ruling planet is placed. So, and that's true for every sign, every planet. So I may do a podcast episode on that in the future, but just to kind of give you a sneak peek. So talking about my Geminis, um, but so Geminis are, they're, they're changeable, they're mutable, they can shift, they are really good speakers, they're good writers. Um, and so I love this Helen, Helena Bonham Carter. I love her. I obviously I'm not great at pronouncing her name, but she's like every character she plays, she like really changes and you like really buy the character that she is. Um, John F. Kennedy, he is somebody he was well, he was famous for speaking. He was famous for his Gemini quality. Um, Tupac, Judy Garland, Kanye West, Bob Dylan, Morgan Freeman, the Olsen twins, which I think is kind of funny, Marilyn Monroe, and Anne Frank. So, but the Olsen twins are literally known for being twins. It's known for being two of them. So, obviously, not every set of twins is born, you know, Gemini. But I mean, I think even like their production company was like something about Gemini. Like they're they play with that. And the other thing about Gemini is it's playing with the duality of like the light and the dark. And I've talked to before about Mercury being the planet of the in-between. So Gemini is always like back and forth with the information. It always wants the contrast and wants the other side. And like, it's never satisfied. And it just wants to take an information, take an information. And sometimes again, to the detriment of like, yeah, but why are you taking in the information? And that's where the Sag comes in. So sometimes like my partner can get so pigeon hold down like I don't know looking for a toaster that we forget like why we want the toaster to begin with but he's just like so he wants to just you know dig and dig and I'm just giving like a funny example but dig and dig and dig and and find all the information um and then you have you know some lower vibrational manifestations of this Donald Trump who I'm not a huge fan of um and I don't have a problem saying that but you know somebody that 
is a smooth talker. Oh yeah, Jim and I also is like kind of known for being like a smooth talker, a silver tongue devil. Um, they and again they're good with words, but that can also be like that can be to their detriment as well. So they can use that in a high vibrational way or a low vibrational way. So they can tell a lot of lies. They're really good at like again depending on where if your uh, Mercury is in a certain place. So if your Mercury is in a water sign and you're a Gemini, so if your Mercury is in Pisces, Cancer, or Scorpio and you're a Gemini, you're probably not a great liar. So that probably doesn't apply to you. Um, so, but yeah, they have like a gift of gap. They have like a way with words and they can also change personas and change. So Johnny Depp, he's a Gemini. And I really like that example because he really will like change and fully go with his character and he's just mutable. And he also can like can play a wide range of characters because he does have that mutability, um, one of my favorite, okay, so I talked a little bit about my Libra kids, so I'm going to talk a little bit about my Gemini kids, uh, and then I'll circle back and talk about my Aquarius kids. Um, So my Gemini kids, they're some of the funny, they're some, I have this one in particular, and everything's a story, because remember, Gemini rules writing, it rules communications, and it also rules like news and media and podcasts and like things that are like week to week. And so she literally comes in every week and says, hey, have you heard the news? And then will tell me like that she got to go to the treasure chest or that she memorized a song in her piano class that she takes right before mine. Um, but it's always like, have you heard the news? I don't know if you've heard yet. And then she's always like, we'll say like funny oh she's really stylish and she's like I love to shop and I love to and she'll always like oh oh this was my favorite she goes sit back and let me tell you the story of my life and when she tells stories she also will say it like she's narrating a story so she's like and me and my she was like and that's when my dad decided you know what I think it is time for us to build a fort in the living room and so then he began to build a fort and then there was a knock at the door I shit you not and she goes and my dad said who is it like this is how this child tells me stories it's so Gemini it's so Gemini um and she's just good at talking. Like she can talk and talk and talk. She can get me off track real hard. Um, and she's just like, yeah, she's just cool. I like her a lot. Um, but that's a that's a, that's a really pure example of a Gemini. And all anytime I've ever had Gemini kids, they're always pretty social. Um, they're always pretty, you know, can talk to anybody. Have a lot of has a lot of friends generally. Um, and they also tend to really like reading and collecting things. Oh my gosh, she will like she brings in her little toys every week. So Gemini, they they're it's the small objects, so they want to collect things. So that's Gemini. Um, and then I want to circle back to my Aquarian kids. There, <laughs> I have I had one little girl. I don't have her anymore. But oh my gosh, I used to call her my Yoda because she would just teach me these truths about the world. She would be like. Do you know, I mean, this was at six. She'd be like, do you know that everything has a vibration or, or no, everything has a number associated with it and a vibration and everything is sounds. And I mean, this, she's literally just walking around the studio going, telling me about the sounds that everything makes and the vibrations and the words that are associated with the objects, how that affects them. 
I mean, just so and so concerned about the environment. Aquarian is very concerned about the environment because you got to remember they're seeing society as a whole and they don't see us separate from Mother Earth. So they're like, how? I mean, like, it's kind of a stereotypical thing that Aquarians are like the social justice warrior, vegan, recycle, you know, whatever. And because they in that, yes, because they're like, yes, this is affecting us. How are you not outraged? And she'll come in, she's come in before with that level of outrage about an animal going extinct or trash that she saw on the side of the road. Like they understand how, so Aquarians generally, I wouldn't say are considered hotheads unless it's a cause they're really passionate about. Um, they also are really techie. They're normally really good. So Caleb's brother is an Aquarius and he is, oh my gosh, like a whiz with computers. I mean, just brilliant when it comes to computers. Also my Aquarian children, they are very, very unique. They generally don't dress like any of their friends. Um, they may be little, literally be little social justice warriors. The little girl that I was talking about used to come in in an RGB mask, like consistently. So, I mean, they're, they're little social justice warriors. Um, they also will try to defy, I think, authority. Um, they respect authority, but not when they don't think that that authority should be there. Then they become very outspoken. Um, but they're very friendly. And they're, they're very nice and they're community oriented and they want, and they normally have a lot of friends and their friends are very important to them. Aquarians are very, very concerned with society, their friends, their community. And when I say society, it doesn't have to be like big mass society. It can just be the community group you're in. Like you're the one organizing it. You're the one putting it together. And again, it's, they're focused on the other, um, so that that's it, guys. So that's wrapping it up. I know we didn't go into every single thing about every sign. And I may have jumped around to some things. But I, I hope you guys are getting just a general more of an understanding of these signs and these elements. I know a lot of this can be overwhelming and like, oh, I don't understand this word. I don't understand this word. Like stick with it stick with it. Ask me questions. Hit me up on Instagram. I'm serious. Like I really will talk to you about astrology. And if you have any questions, please let me know. Don't just send me your chart and ask me to read it though. I'm not going to do that. If you want to do that, book a reading. Um, because I, my time is valuable, but if you're, you know, you have a question or you'd like a specific topic covered, or you just kind of want to know me to know where you are, like, Hey, I would really love for you to talk more about the planets. Like that's something I'm really interested in. Please let me know. I really do want to create content that meets you guys where you're at. But also just keep in mind that this is a language. So this isn't, I mean, it is a science, it is an art, but it's a language. So the more you listen and the more you stick with it, the more you're going to understand it over time. And re-listen to you know, episodes, even if you're like, Oh, yeah, I got it. I I know, go back and re listen, because things will click things will, oh, you'll learn something later that'll make that episode make more sense. And um, yeah, but astrology, astrology is a language. And, you know, don't just listen to me, listen to other astrologers, there's so many great astrology podcasts that you can find just search them on Instagram. I mean, well, you can do that too, but search them in your iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. And yeah, and just keep speaking the language, keep talking about the language, keep listening, and 
before you know it, you'll be able to really start to understand your own chart. As always, guys, please, if you like today's episode, rate, review, subscribe, share this with a friend, share it on social media, tag me at I Speak Human Podcast. You can, that seriously, guys, means so, so much. If you haven't left a review yet, can I please just ask you just to pause this recording and go leave a review, preferably a five-star review if you like it. Um, because that's really how this podcast is going to grow and is going to reach people. And, you know, I'm not making money off of this. I don't have sponsors. I'm doing this because I love astrology and I love teaching and I want it to reach as many people as possible. And as time goes on, I'm going to create more content that you can buy and different courses and things like that. But for right now, you know, this is all free content and I really want there to continue to stay free content. And I don't want to just, you know, all of a sudden, okay, no more podcasts, I'm going to sell everything. I, I want to keep a consistent flow of free information out there. Because, you know, I know when I was first learning astrology, I would have never bought a course because I didn't even understand like if I thought it was valuable. So I and, and you know, or I couldn't afford it. I like totally would have wanted to, but I just can't, you know, either time or money. So I want to keep free resources available to people. But part of that that is going to allow me to do that is by this podcast spreading, is by more people learning about this information and, you know, doing readings with me, supporting my work. Um, and if you're curious, how can you support this podcast? How can you support the work? getting a reading. That's a great way to support me. Um, another great way, if you can't afford a full reading, I've, I've been doing a few of these lately. I offer 10 minute mini sessions and they're $27 and you can send th two to three questions along with your birth information. And I will do all the information. I'll do all the research and then pack as much information as I can into 10 minutes in a voice memo sent over to you within 48 hours. I think that's a really fun thing to do if you're, uns even if you've gotten a ton of readings and you just have a question, that's a great time to do it. If you have a place that you'd like some clarity and like me to look at your own chart. So maybe you're listening to this and you're like, okay, I'm a Gemini, I'm a Leo, or I'm a Leo. And so I want to see what she has to say about like, well, where you know, the rest of my chart, or I'm a Gemini, and I want to understand this whole like, planetary ruler thing, or how my chart might be unique. This is a really great way to do that on a budget. It's and or if you just want to try it out and see what you think. If you're like, I think this, this chick might be nuts. But you know, maybe I'll try it out 27 bucks, give it a shot. It's fun. Um, so that's a way you can support me. But a free way you can support me is by giving a five-star review, writing, you know, little blurb about what you think, sharing it on social media and sharing it with people that you know, that would enjoy this podcast. And you know, astrology is becoming more and more popular. So you might be shocked at what other who other little witchy poos you find like yourselves, I find more and more people are coming out of the, <laughs> the spiritual closet, so to speak. So, you know, shine your light. If you're into this, let your freak flags fly. I think it's time. 
Anyway, I won't hold you guys up any longer. I hope you have a beautiful Monday. I hope you have a wonderful start to this month. You know, we're wrapping up March and going into April. Holy fuck balls. (laughs) Next week, you're going to have the April forecast and a Akashic Records reading And that episode is, I can tell your favorite because it's the most downloaded episode that I've ever had downloaded in one week are my forecast episodes. So I know you guys love those. So I'm excited to bring April to you. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I hope you have a fantastic day. By the way, all the information about readings, my social media, and any other resource that I mentioned are available in the show notes. Please check those out. I spend a lot of time on show notes because I want you guys to have the information right there at your fingertips because I know most of you guys are driving or doing other shit. You're probably not just sitting there devotedly with a pen and paper listening to me speak. If you are, hot damn, send me a screenshot of that or a picture of that. I'd love to see your devotion. <laughs> that sounds like such a sad, a Sagittarius thing to say. Okay, anyway, you can tell this is an air this is an air element because I can't shut up. Have a great day. Bye guys. <laughs>